You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey everybody, it's Adam, live and in person for you. Hey everybody, it's Adam, wonder who he'll interview. Today I welcome back Broadway vocalist Sally Wilfert. In the first part of our interview, we paid tribute to Sally's best friend, three-time Tony nominee Rebecca Luker. In this episode, we will focus on Sally's theatrical legacy, including her work with the legendary theater composer William Finn, lessons learned, and much more. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Sally Wilfert. So one other thing with the legacy conversation is I do want to talk about some of the shows that you have been in. Mm-hmm. Um, You've been in the Tony Award winning production of Assassins. You were in the first national tour of the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. You got to star at Carnegie Hall (laughs) alongside Reba McIntyre in South Pacific in concert. Uh, You've done regional productions of Mamma Mia, Damn Yankees, The Light in the Piazza, Footloose, Kiss Me Kate, The Last Five Years, Les Mis. I mean, so many, so many. Um, How do you, are there any shows of the ones I've listed or any that I didn't list, are there any shows that you are just so happy to have in your body of work that when people think about Sally Wilford, the actress, Mm -hmm. uh, like what shows are you like, I definitely want people to think about this show when they think about my work. I loved uh, Spelling Bee. I loved Rona and Spelling Bee. That was fantastic. Um, and although it wasn't, it's a, it was an anthology piece of Bill Finn's Make Me a Song Off Broadway was just a great, um, I loved doing that show with those four, those three human beings um, that I did it with Adam Heller, Sandy Binion and D.B. Bonds. Mm-hmm. Um, they were great. But um, I think for me personally, what I felt like hand to glove that I look forward to hopefully playing again and again is um, Margaret and Light in the Piazza. Mm-hmm. That was like, I, I loved playing that role. It was like a, a full meal, seven course meal. <laughs> it was beautiful. It was, I just loved that piece. And that I was, I would have done it in the basement of a church. Mm, <laughs> really, wow. truly I would have. Um, but that I was able to do such a beautiful production out of town was mm. such a blessing. And I hope, I, I mean, that, I think that I've always been, um, I, I've always been a character actress. I, I love character work. I am a slow burn when it comes to my work as an actress. I'm not, I I really enjoy digging in and finding um, a character that has, not that ingenues are not this, but I, for me personally, being, you know, a leading lady, I enjoy the character work of that. And Mm. so I, I feel like with Light in the Piazza that Margaret is, there's so many aspects of her that are just a full uh, a full woman. She's she's the full thing, the real thing. Yes, yes. And speaking of of uh, Bill Finn, mm-hmm. um, I mean, you are like prolific in singing his music. <laughs> um, what is it? What is it about his music? I feel like there 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 are actresses and singers out there that like they either are like prolific in William Finn's music or Sondheim, and <laughs> and you sing. I mean, mostly you sing. Bill's music. So yeah. what is it about him or his music that just you gravitated towards? What's well, so interesting because I was always so um, uh, 
drawn to Sondheim, which I still am from, I think when I caught Sondheim, the Sondheim bug as a, as a young um, actor uh, growing up, I just, uh, that to me was everything. I thought no one could ever surpass Sondheim and truly they can't, but on the other spectrum is William Finn. And I think what I love about William Finn, and it's funny because it was like right after, I think it was right after Assassins. And um, I had done a series of Sondheim shows, but Assassins was sort of like the the culmination of shows um, that I'd done, or that was the end of the line of, not the end of the line, but that was what it all sort of led to Assassins. And then after that, I, I think that's when I worked with Bill for the first time. And I think what I'm so drawn to, he writes about the human condition in the most honest and sometimes sloppy and bizarre uh, ways. His lyrics can be just so honest and then out there and true. And I just love it. And then his music matches that. And I, um, I don't know. I, again, it's, he's one of those composers that I just get. And I was able to work with him and still work with him um, through the years. And um, I did, you know, make me a song. I did spelling bee. I, I had done his elegies. That's where we met was doing elegies. And then I also did little miss sunshine. Mm-hmm. Um, I did it out in La Jolla with him. And then he's, he and James Lapine are working on a, a new Actually, he and Deborah Abramson with James Rickner are working on a new piece before the pandemic that I was involved in. So, um, but, and he's also become such a dear, dear friend. Mm. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's incredible yeah. to be able yeah. to say he's a dear friend. He is. I love that man. I love that. Yeah. Well, that actually leads into my next uh, part of this conversation is every year at Congregation uh, Beth Simchas Torah, CBST in New York City, um, for the high holiday services, you sing anytime mm-hmm. um, after the, um, uh, it's Yom Kippur. Yom, it's, it's Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur mm-hmm. yeah. during, during the Yisker services. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you want that part of your life to fit into your, your legacy? Because to me, it's like every year I see you there. Um, and it's always so enjoyable to watch you sing. It's like, I look forward to it every year to be like, this is the moment I'm going to get to see Sally sing. Um, how did you like come to start doing that? And, and what does it mean to you? Uh, does it mean anything more to you now in light of Rebecca's passing to, Mm -hmm. to perform that during that moment? Yeah, I think, (laughs) I think it will. I, I mean, I think life is so interesting. I just think that for me, I this is for my journey through this this crazy life. Um, I just always feel like I'm I'm where I'm supposed to be, mm-hmm. <laughs> and like that I met I met Bill Finn right after my beloved voice teacher passed away, and I had studied with him with, since I was eighteen. I was his legal guardian and healthcare proxy when he passed away. Wow. When he, okay, this is crazy. So, so when he died right after that was the first time I met Bill and I, I did elegies at Barrington stage mm-hmm. and it was a week after he died that I went to do this show about loss and wow. death oh my and God. the first time that I sang anytime. Oh my God. So fast forward, I was doing spelling bee and I had, well, we had developed make me a song 
and I was doing Spelling Bee, and then I got pulled back into New York to do Make Me a Song Off-Broadway, sang Anytime there, and the rabbi, Sharon Kleinbaum, from mm-hmm. CBST, heard me sing it there. Bill is a member of CBST Synagogue. So I don't know how many, a couple years later that Bill said, hey, listen, the rabbi, I think she wants you to sing at, at, this, at, the, I, I, at the High Holy Days. I'm so not Jewish. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know what the heck he was talking about. I was like, okay, what are you talking about? And then I, uh, she and I had a conversation and said, you know, it's at the Javits Center. It's usually for about 3,000 people. I was like, what? what? And, um, and it is the moment after, for people who don't know, it's the moment after the, the, the um, list of names of the people that have passed in the last year. It's this moment of um, remembering the dead and celebrating them or releasing them. Um, and forgiveness or acceptance or whatever. And so then I, after the names are read, I am brought up to sing the song. So you sit this whole time while she's reading names. And I've sung, I'm also that girl that for whatever reason, they ask me to sing at funerals. So I, I've sung at people's funerals that I don't know who they are. I've just been hired to sing at funerals. And even with the people I don't know, I just feel like, I'm so connected to them. Mm-hmm. I feel connected. So each of these names on this list that she's reading every year gives me an opportunity to remember those that have passed in my life mm-hmm. and to also kind of prayerfully combine my energies with everyone sitting in that congregation at that time. And a lot of times I'm sitting next to Bill mm-hmm. and um, it's just, I mean, it's such an honor but boy, I, I have to, I, I do have to get my shit together. Um, at the end of that list, I'm, I, I sometimes I will forget. You're about to sing, get your shit together. Um, but it's, uh, it kind of, it, I kind of get, I get, um, I get sort of transported to another mm-hmm. place, and I can feel it's so extraordinary to feel everyone, whether they're crying or laughing, the emotion. Everyone is thinking about the same. Thing. And you can feel that energy, and it is the best thing that I do every year. Truly, yeah. I'm so honored. Well, I'm so glad I get to see you do it every year. I didn't get to see you do it this year because um, I actually I went to services on, with my family on Long Island. But it's something that I always look forward to when I went to services at CBST. So Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll move into lessons learned. So stay tuned. We have much more with Sally Wilfert. Priceline presents Go to Your Happy Price. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. You can see yourself already there. It's beautiful. It might be sunny and sandy for some, neon and urban for others, deserts or rainforests or hiking trails. With Priceline, you can get to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else. Like up to 60% off select hotels to Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to Priceline.com and travel to your happy place for a happy price. All right, see ya. I'm off to Miami. No, actually, wow, look at that. No, I'm going to Hawaii now. Ooh, Cancun looks nice. You know what? Belize looks pretty nice this time of year. Or, mmm, Palm Springs. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The new 2023 Ford Escape 
is the perfect getaway car. Featuring an available 13.1-inch center stack screen, 360-degree camera, and Bang & Olufsen sound system and spatial flexibility for extra legroom. The new 2023 Ford Escape. Learn more at Ford.com. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Hey, everyone. My name is Sally Wilford, and you're listening to Bearing It All with Call Me Adam. And now we're back. My first question is always, what is one mistake you made early on in your career that became a life lesson you take with you to this day? I don't know if I would call it a mistake as much as like a, it's a road that I didn't travel. Okay. And I didn't travel it because I guess the mistake comes in as I listened to someone that was very close to me that I thought had my best interest at heart, tell me that I shouldn't do it. And this this person, I, I think was really being it was a selfish decision on, uh, on their part. And mm-hmm. so I think back, and I, I just think, Oh, gosh, I wish I wish I would have taken that road, because it would have been an interesting exploration mm-hmm. uh, for me as an artist. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I learned that I should, I should always trust what my gut is saying about something yeah. Um, that even if I would have failed, even because I think, I think they were trying to protect me, uh, but it was their own, they were, they were putting their own fears about the situation on me or that maybe if that led me to someplace that would have ex- advanced me in a way that I would have left them. Mm-hmm. And which it, and that ended up happening anyway, without, you know, it's an interesting thing. Like I didn't take the road they helped, they worked very hard at holding me back. And mm-hmm. we, th- they, we, we, there was still a disconnect there. So mm-hmm. I, I just would tell, I, I just think I've learned that I have to follow my gut. And even if that means that I fall flat on my face, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Cause I need, I just need to take, it's, it's like falling in love. Like you mm-hmm. can't always say I'm too afraid to fall in love. You just have to go in because mm-hmm. then if it explodes, that's okay. Cause you had the experience and you're a different person on the other side Yes, and you have to be a different person in all aspects of your life. If you, you don't take the risk, then I don't know what it's all about. Yes, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, that's the lesson I learned from that's that. That's a great lesson to learn. Ugh, it was hard. Yeah, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. Cause you always, who, I mean, who doesn't play that what if game, but you sort of also just have to, at some point, I guess you have to surrender and just say, well, this is where I was meant to be. This is how it was supposed to go. Yeah. But even when I have that statement in my head, I still have those moments of, well, what if I did this? What if I actually left that job when I had an opportunity and took that other job? Where would I be? But then I just think, well, maybe I wouldn't be here doing this thing now that I love. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, my next question is, have you ever been fired from a show? I wouldn't say fired. I would say that I was replaced, not in the, I had been a part of a show that I had been in development with it for years. Uh And there was a decision on someone's part to, to go a different direction. Mm. Mm -hmm. So what did you learn from that moment of being replaced? I, I think it taught me that it all, it always happens for a good reason. Mm. In hindsight, that's what I really gleaned from it, even though in the in the moment, it was super duper painful. Mm. And I didn't understand it. Um, I learned that things always happen for a good reason. And it's funny, because 
had I continued with that show, I would not have been in the next show that I was in. And that, that led me to something really great. And I kind of have to thank that that the that I was replaced. And a lot of times I feel like I am sometimes I'm saved from some sort of pain for myself or something. I don't know. That sounds mm-hmm. so frou-frou, doesn't it? It sounds just like yes, oh, but very I- kumbaya. Like I was it was, yes. it, was pain- <laughs> it was it was painful and it take mm-hmm. it's a process to sort of have find find within something um, get rid of your ego. That's mm-hmm. the one thing. I had to just let go of ego because I thought it's not me. This is not about me. It's not about something I'm doing wrong. It's just mm-hmm. a decision that has to be made. Do I agree with it? No, <laughs> but do I, I, I'm going to accept it. And it also taught me in that moment that if I'm ever in a position that I have to give some bad news to somebody like mm-hmm. this, make a phone call. Mm-hmm. Be take be the big person and make the phone call. Um, which I know that's hard for the the person that you know had to make the the call to me. But right. I was so appreciative of the human contact because yeah. you know we as as artists as actors as in this in this crazy world you pour your heart into something. Mm-hmm. You have to put your whole self in, and there's no guarantees. There's no right. guarantees of what's going to happen, whether sh- the show goes or whether you go with it. You know, in those moments, I'm like, I will never open up my heart again. It's like being in a relationship. And you go, <laughs> no, actually, that's who I am. And mm-hmm. I will do that again. And I'll just be more more prepared that there's no, there's just no guarantee. And I'm okay with that. But to be as humane as possible in the delivery of that news Mm -hmm. um, is very meaningful. Well, I'm glad you, as hard as it was in the moment, I'm glad you were able to get some perspective on it later. Yes, Yes. take some wine and lots of talks with friends. Yes, yes. (laughs) And like you said, it did ultimately get you to another show and another project that you love. Yeah, I mean, actually, uh, in talking to a lot of my friends, and I remember Rebecca was really, really great within that, uh, that this one particular situation she was amazing mm. yeah yeah what is something uh that you learned out of the ordinary from a co-star out of the ordinary good lord it's all out of the ordinary i mean <laughs> it's like you get slammed together oh you know what okay this is hysterical so i did a production of amadeus i placed i played constance in in amadeus this is years ago huh. and um uh you know, it says things you get slammed together on the first day. And the first day was a photo shoot. And literally we were thrown into bustles and corsets. And he was, you know, and he was playing Mozart in his wig and everything else. And you just, you get thrown together and we're like, lift her leg. No, grab, grab, grab her by the ass. I mean, at the time you could do that and right. immediately. It wasn't like, it was crazy. You just think, I don't even know you. And I'm, <laughs> I'm, I, it, it, but what I found, which was hysterical about, Chris Kelly, who I adore, uh-huh. um, the actor. Um, <laughs> he, well, he was playing Mozart, which was funny because there was a lot of farting within that, you know, it, within that production. That's part yeah. of that's part of the the scenes. Um, but he loved fart sludge. Do you know that stuff? No. Okay, it's this stuff that you stick your finger in, and yes. it's like, and it's like it's yes. the most base, disgusting. Yeah. We would howl, howl. I mean, okay, that's out of the ordinary. There you go. That is. Uh, he yes. thought that, you know, that farts and anything, any scatological humor was funny. <laughs> and that is definitely one of the most 
more unique answers I've gotten to that oh, question. Oh, excellent. Yes. Leave yes. it to me. Yeah. Um, what has, what's the biggest thing you've learned about yourself overall from either your life or career? Hmm. I'm too nice. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of funny. I mean, it is, I, I am nice. That's who I am. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a, a kind person, but also brutally honest as well. Um, I think I've, I think what I've learned about myself overall is that I have, I'm told I have this banner on my forehead that I, I cannot see, but evidently it says, please, I just met you a minute ago and tell me everything, every secret in your life right now. <laughs> I, yes. have, I, I have this ability that I will meet someone and all of a sudden they're telling me, I mean, I had a, 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 someone I didn't know. And all of a sudden they're like, I'm having an affair. And I was like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> and I, I was like, <laughs> and my, my husband laughs at me. He's like, you, you don't see it, do you? You don't see it. We'll be someplace. And all of a sudden there's this person divulging information to me and we're having these deep conversations and He's like, you really don't see it on your head, but it says that. Yes. Apparently it does. Yes. No, I see that. And I get that too, because I get people telling me like the most weird. And I'm like, all I said was hello. And now you're telling me this whole scandalous thing about yourself. And I I just wanted to see if the pies were fresh. I didn't. (laughs) but I've learned to live with it. I've learned to work with it. Yes. I feel honored somehow. I just think they need to talk. They need to say something, and I'm sure that I just need to listen for a second. Mm -hmm. Okay. Listening is important. Listening is important. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What is something that you wish you could tell your younger self that you feel would have saved you from a mistake or a heartache, again, either in your life or, or career? I think to just be myself right away. When you're younger, you don't know that you're enough. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, I think it took me a while to really understand that. And it took me going through some things in my life that I realized, oh, I'm trying to hide behind the authentic me. And um, like, you know, most of my friends say I'm more similar to Elaine on Seinfeld than anybody else. Like I, I am kind of that person. And the more I clued into the fact that my dry sense of humor was mm-hmm. something that people uh, were obsessed with, I... I, I realized, oh gosh, why have I been trying to hide that? That is like so me. It's like the it's like who my who I am within my family. With my my father is probably the driest, funniest person I know, and uh-huh. my mother is the other side of that. And um, so I am somewhere in the middle. And I thought, why am I trying to hide aspects of myself? And I think I would encourage the uniqueness to come through. Mm. I think it would have been just an easier, more efficient sort of road. No, that's great. Yeah, that's that's something definitely great to impart, especially for younger people listening. Um, if yeah. there are if there are any of uh, if there are any younger people listening, because my, <laughs> my my listener demographic tends to be from like forties and up. So if oh, there okay. is anybody under forty listening, that is a great piece of advice that yeah. you are now. Yeah, and in my teaching now, because I teach voice and I teach you know acting a song, and and I just think yeah 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 yeah. Let me see you. Let mm-hmm. me just be you, be you, be weird, make a huge mistake. And then if it's too far, then you know you can pull back, but like go, go, go in. Yeah. And my last question for the lessons learned is what have you learned from playing your favorite game on your phone? That I hate games on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> I do. 
I I think I hate them. So that's good. I I celebrate that. I will not invite you to play words with friends then. (laughs) You know, it's so funny because when I was doing Trevor off Broadway, when, when Broadway closed and, and, um, and, uh, we we all there's a, a bunch of us that got together right on the last day. Um, the the director, choreographer, the composer. We were all standing there like, oh my god, you guys, we have to play words with friends together. We have to go together when we're because we didn't know how we thought. Oh, we'll be apart for about a month or something. Right. We didn't know. And I remember I went to go play it the first time. I was like, oh god, I hate this. Oh god, how am I going to do? But then no one real no one really continued, and I was so relieved. Oh, I love that. <laughs> It's yeah. hilarious. Not funny. Hilarious. So this segment is called In the Closet with Call Me Adam because I record all of my podcast interviews in my closet. So <laughs> what is one physical item you have in your closet? Ashes. Oh. <laughs> Creepy. Who's ashes? Um, my voice teachers. Oh wow. Oh, he's there just 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 waiting. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, I do. I have I have him in there. Um yeah. My God, that's so dark, isn't it? <laughs> it is, but I, I love it. Like... Do you talk to him at all? Like, do you ever go in and? Uh, he talks to me. I have. He actually left me his uh, baby grand piano. So in our in our home, we have the his piano. So he talks a lot because that was the piano that I took lessons from when I was eighteen. Oh wow! In this home, and so um, so there's a lot of him talking, and I think you know I I don't really you know it's interesting, like his spirit is so with me. So I don't really think of his, him being in the ashes. Yeah, I just think I need to, he never told me where he wanted them scattered. So that's my, it's been the biggest pause of like, well, where do I do this? Um, so I just think, you know what, you're just gonna, he's gonna sit in there for a little bit, but his, the music and him, like everything is, it's it, it just swirls around the piano and in this house. Um, because I, I, I'm, my voice is so tuned to that piano mm-hmm. and so he's mm-hmm. with me all the time. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the whole in the closet with call me Adam. <laughs> so now we are up to the end of the interview and I always no! end my interviews. I know, I know no. it's been so much fun talking to you. It really, I, this could go on forever. This it could, could so fun. it could. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, there may, we'll have to do a parts three and four at some point. Love. So. I, yeah. I would be so excited. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. Yay. So I always end my interviews playing off of the title of my podcast, Bearing It All with Call Me Adam. Now, you have divulged a lot during these two interviews, but if you were to bear it all and reveal something about yourself that you haven't talked about previously, what would you share with me today? I think what I would say is that I was the um, executor for both of my mentors in my life. They both left me in in charge of all of their worldly possessions and <laughs> to settle their estates. I oh mean that's kind of a crazy thing to bear. Yes. To to bear to you and also to to physically to physically bear. Yeah. And also kind of humorous to me. And again, at the thing on my forehead or something. I don't know. Um but what's what's interesting is is with my voice teacher I met my husband through my voice teacher because when he had the stroke that ultimately was leading sort of to the end of his life, um, he was in a hospital that um, my husband ended up being, he was a resident and he ended up being his doctor. Oh my God. And then I didn't see, we dealt with my now husband for um, a couple weeks in the hospital at St. Luke's. It was St. Luke's Roosevelt at the time. And, um, 
And then two months, I didn't see um, this doctor when we were, when he was being released. And then two months, but I just, for two months, I just kept thinking, oh God, you know, he was such an interesting person. I felt like I knew, I felt like I was going to know him. It was like this Mm. weird thing. And then I ran into him on the 59th street subway platform two months later. Wow. Yeah. So that was that. And then with my friend, um, with Homer, who was a professor of mine at my university, who was my he championed me. He, he literally took this little country girl out of Kentucky and was like, you need to get, you know, he saw the spark in me. Mm. And, um, and he was my dearest friend forever. And, um, and he has led me on such a, an interesting journey. I feel like they're both sort of kind of leading me around. Um, Mm. I have two great angels and now I have, now I have three. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, that is all the time we have for the interview. So thank you so much for coming and talking to me today. Thank you, Adam. You're welcome. Um, Where can everybody find you on social media? Um, Sally Wolford on Instagram, uh, Sally Wolford on Facebook and uh, Twitter. And uh, my website is sallywolford.com. So great. Everywhere. Well, everybody listening, find Sally on social media, visit her website. And um, also just remember here at the Broadway Podcast Network, we have thousands and thousands of hours of podcast episodes, art and theater related. So keep listening. He'll get the dirt and the scoop and the story for he happens to be in the know. Just ask anybody who's had him at all for the business of show. CallMeAdam.com Find more episodes of Bearing It All with Call Me Adam everywhere you stream podcasts. For my print and video interviews, visit my website, callmeadam.com. Follow me on social media at callmeadamnyc on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And finally, if you really want to get involved, support my podcast on a deeper level by becoming a member of my Patreon family. Visit patreon.com slash callmeadamnyc. There, you'll get a variety of backstage perks, including advanced notice of interviews, the ability to submit a question to my guests, and everyone's favorite, swag. 